Welcome back to another episode of Checking In. Today we are checking in with Shannon Christensen, uh, CVO, That's Mamas right. for Mamas. That's and right. I had to Google that. It's a bit of a shift, yeah. Uh, so a new addition to the family in the C-suite. That's, right. That's right. Chief Visionary Officer. That's right. And reading it, I went, yeah, mm -hmm. Shannon's CVO. Yeah. Okay, so before we dive into, um, thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having me. Really excited to have you. It's always a pleasure. Before we dive into the world of mamas, yes. I'm so curious, and that's sort of the theme of these checking in videos in the series. I'm trying to share with the audience our journey to wherever we've come and sort of the things that have um, had us either change path, dive in deeper. So the, um, I mean, this isn't new. It's on your, on your LinkedIn. So your, uh, BA in psychology, masters in counseling, uh, psychology with minor in Aboriginal studies, which I, I know that served you very well, yes. uh, in being able to serve yes. others, advanced training in self-regulation therapy, Forensic psychology and trauma counseling, I was really interested in. So, so you are a graduate of UBCO. That's right. Yep. Uh, I saw uh, born in Kitimat, raised in Kelowna. So born you're in home, Kelowna. Born, born and in raised Kelowna. in Kelowna, like one hey, of the you few OG a hometown. Girl. I know. Okay. Like my roots okay. go deep. Okay. Yeah. So, can you help uh, tell the story of of like? little Shannon you're you're at the table the conversations that you're hearing I, I want to try and understand the path and the direction that you chose and the why yeah oh wow that's a really good one um, well the forensic psychology was from my love of law uh, my dad was a lawyer and it was my mission you know to be the next Pat Kimmett ah. You know, I was going to take over the law firm and uh, really just be that the prodigal son that he never had. You know, he had four daughters, five sisters, the family name. You know, we got we had to do something with it. So um, but he actually said to me, oh, oh, darling, no, <laughs> like, mm. you know, your heart is it's too big. Like, it'll just crush you. This world is not for empaths and I will pay for you mm. to go to school for anything you want except for law. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I did forensic psychology because I don't like being told what to do. So I had to get some criminology, legalese in there. But really, I did find my love of, of learning and my love of helping and healing through psychology. Okay, and you're, and you're, uh, so how many, how many kids in your family? Five, I'm the middle you're, of five. You're the middle of five, all girls. Actually, there's four girls, and then my little brother Sam was born for my mom's second marriage. Okay. So I was okay. like, a, a, you know, I acted like a middle child, and then I really was one. Ah, <laughs> the, that's a whole episode. You know, middle it's children. a birth okay. order, tell you what. So the, uh, your mom what yeah. was her? My mom uncle? grew up overseas, and so she was like a third culture kid. She was um, living in Africa where my nana and my papa were with mobile oil, you know, so they were working as an expat oil kind of crew. And then my mom was in boarding school in Rome, so she had the real Catholic experience. Mm. Uh, my aunt and uncle were both similarly in boarding schools in Switzerland and um, 
like you name it. They were they lived all over the world, Turkey, Egypt, and that was just their lifestyle. So she became a teacher and she speaks multiple languages and she teaches French. She taught French in Shanghai for quite some time and her whole thing was just like she was a single mom for quite a long time and she was just this like fireball of you can do anything, you just have to manifest it. You gotta work for it, but you've gotta believe it before you have it. That was her whole thing. So she was So those are the conversations that you're hearing at the table when your mom's talking to one of your sisters or when you're you're discussing a day in school or something that happened on yeah. the playground or something. Yeah. It it was it was conversations of um maybe responsibility and ownership of, of what happened and trying yeah. to talk through that. Yeah, and always being in a space of abundance. And this is before the secret. This is yeah, before yeah. all of this language was was quite mainstream. But she would always say, um, you know, like, it's up to you what you do with your life, but you've got to believe, you know, like I have an abundance of money, she would always say. And she was a low-income single mom of five kids, but she believed it. And she went back and did her master's and she ended up getting an amazing job where she mm. did end up making an abundance of money and buying a home in Vancouver when they were $350,000 mm. and really just being wise with her investments. And I grew up with the, the conversations around the table being, uh, what did you learn from that? You know, how did you, how did you feel when that happened? So it wasn't like, what are you going to do differently next time? It's how do you want to feel differently mm. next time? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, she mm -hmm. had a really strong sense of your heart and soul being just as important as your, your brain and your words. You know, so she actually did her, her master's in heart math and the psychology of heart math. I was just going to ask you, yeah. that sounds really heart math-ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, biofeedback. Okay, okay, okay. And that helped me go from like a 75 average in university to a 96 average because I had the info and, I, and I'm no dummy, but I really convinced myself that I was because I mm -hmm. kept getting, you know, Bs, B minus, Cs. It just wasn't my wasn't my thing, I guess. I hadn't found my thing. I was never really good enough to be anywhere. You know, I made the team, but it's because my dad was the coach's lawyer. Like, and I know uh. that, you know? Um, my sister was a world champion in karate by the time she was 14, so it didn't matter what I did, it wasn't gonna hold a candle. So yeah. I made every team, and I sat on the bench with just about every game, but I showed up, and I cared, and it meant mm. something to me to be part of something greater than myself. But I never really belonged, you know? Mm, that's interesting. Okay, so the 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 work history uh, for you again, not not private. When I'm looking through mm -hmm. your LinkedIn, I'm seeing it looks like a early or first job, Prospera Place Credit Union. Prospera Credit so Union. So Teller CSR. Yeah, my first big girl job. So interesting. I I think that's interesting because you do whether you want it or not. Uh, you get a bit of an understanding of money. Totally. Count it, save yeah. it, spend it. The you psychology get a, of it. You get it. So that's an interesting peek into that. Yeah. Um, autism intervention. Yeah, I was a behavior interventionist for um, the Center for um, Okanagan Autism yeah. Intervention, I believe, as it was called. Yeah. So have at at this point, have you? Uh, is this you putting into practice education through UBCO in yeah. in the autism intervention? Okay. Yeah. You can't do a whole lot with a BA in psychology 
you know, with a minor in indigenous studies, you kind of have to find something. And I was making 12 bucks an hour with a degree, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. so it was kind of one of those things that made me realize I really did need to go for the master's. Yeah. Even though I'd already signed up for it and I was ready for it, it reinforced why I was taking that next step. I loved it. I loved the work. But and you've never worked so hard for so little. But that's that's interesting. Again, uh, especially where we're at in the in the world currently. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're sitting at what are we May of 2022. Yeah. There's a real challenge in getting workers. Never mind skilled workers or yeah. experience. So that in a position like Okanagan Center of Autism uh, Intervention at 12 bucks an hour, yeah. you got, I actually, I should phrase this a question instead of a statement. Uh, would you have received more than just dollar tokens of the $12 an hour in your time in service there? Was there other things that were Yeah, I gained? certainly could have earned a lot more money doing something else. Um, yeah. I would have easily gone back to Prosperity Credit Union and made a lot more and had Absolutely. a really fulfilling job. Sure. Um, but I wanted to work with kids and I wanted to see what I was really good at. And just as importantly, I wanted to see what I wasn't very good yeah. at. You know, and I loved those kids so much. There was three little boys and they were all on the spectrum. And that mom is my superhero to this day still. She's, I ran into her the other day and oh, I just, sure. my heart kind of explodes yeah, yeah. every time I think about her because we just have no idea the struggles that parents go through generally. But when you've got kiddos who've got extra special love to give, it's incredible how much more energy you put into them. Oh. And it's like a full-time job. You're managing their behavior interventionists, you're managing their speech pathologists, you're, you're just you're managing 25 different, you're basically a general contractor all day, every day. And that's also interesting because anytime I meet uh, a, another woman at an event, any event, and the, the sentence is, oh, I'm just a mom, I, I stop immediately to correct that because I don't think there is a bigger, more important job. No, there's than... not. And most are staying home, you know, to look after their babies right now for a multitude of reasons, rather than going back to work to something they might prefer doing, but they're choosing to focus mm -hmm. primarily on what's best for the kids right now. Dedicate. That's a mama. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so your, your time at uh, John Howard Society, mm -hmm. That's where I did uh, my first practicum. I worked with Shelly Cook there. Shelly Cook? Yeah, she's yeah. great. She Brilliant. really inspired me. Yeah. Um, and she terrified me. And it was awesome because yeah. I remember she was one of the first women Strong. that I was really intimidated by. But I really, mm -hmm. I really, I wanted to emulate her. I was like, you know, if I can work with you, like I can work with anyone. And it's not because she was scary. It's because mm -hmm. she was like a no BS. Um, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. I just like, I thought like, damn, like, mm -hmm. I want to be like Shelly. I love that channeling yeah. Shelly. Channeling like Shelly. It's it, exactly. Yeah. 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 Sure. My, you guys are a lot alike in that way where when I first Cole called you, I was terrified, but I was like, what's the worst thing that she'll uh -huh. say? No. I was uh -huh. like, yeah, that would be really bad. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> so from John Howard Society, you, you then open your own daycare. Yeah. So this is like a strange kind of turnaround where when I'm doing my master's degree and I had a baby right at the same time, everything happened so suddenly it was there's the dots. 10 years yep. worth of life in the span of about 18 months. I got married at 22. My dad died the next day, suddenly mm. of a heart attack. Um, he was 53. He was okay. young. Uh, you know, he was hiking up Knox Mountain here and his whole truck was full of gifts for the gift opening for me and my new husband, Dylan, to go and do our big, you know, thing. And he just, uh, his heart gave out. And I realized 
you know, I don't want to die with a bunch of paper on my wall that says how smart I am or mm-hmm. how much I know. You know, I want to I want to spend my time and energy building the legacy that that I'll be the most proud of. And I can only imagine that'll be my kids because I knew at the end of the day that my dad's legacy, what he was the most proud of wasn't building his law firm. It wasn't doing all the volunteer work he did on the side quietly, helping all the adoption paperwork be done for free around town. Mm. You know, he wasn't, he was proud of that, but that wasn't who he was. He was a dad and he was a proud dad, you know? So his inheritance uh, came through when my second baby was born. And during that time, I had started to build this little thing called Mamas for Mamas. And I started to need a bit of seed funding. So Mm -hmm. Shannon, at this point, We've got two babies. We're working from home. We're still on our education journey and trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up, what we like, yeah. what we don't. And we've we've we're taking in uh, other children, a couple little babes. Okay. And I knew how expensive childcare was, and so there was a a couple really cool moms. One of them worked with the special needs kids at UBC, and so she had a little one. He was like ten months old, and I think I charged seven hundred, seven hundred fifty bucks for for you know the full week because it just for, for the full month I should say because yeah. it just felt like I was be, I was doing something that was helping her but I was also keeping my kiddos occupied and I mean at this point I'm 25 I'm just about done my masters I've been doing it for like 2 years so I was supposed to start my masters 2 weeks after the wedding mm-hmm. of course when dad died mm-hmm. I decided to take a few months off in that time Dylan and I talked about potentially starting a family um, so come December of that year, just a few months after my dad passed and we got married, I got pregnant, mm-hmm. um, at the end of December and we bought a house at the beginning of January. Um, and I started my master's at the end of January. And so it was like, just throw a couple things at you during a time when you're already really kind of overwhelmed, but it was good. I needed to be busy. It kept my mind, yep. you know, at bay, it kept things just kind of rolling. We lived in Laclahash uh, for a couple months when this was all going on because that's where Dylan was working. It was just, it was chaos. And and not to, to try and um, uh, reduce or devalue that, but I do find our 20s and our 30s, uh, we are most adapt at taking huge volumes mm-hmm. of things. And it's, it's houses, it's dogs, it's children, it's um starting yeah. careers and businesses and th- we we our capacity yeah. and ability to take that in our 20s and our 30s is probably the most prime time to do that so you're yep. you're everywhere and everything to everyone yeah uh is this this is the time is again rephrase as a question is this the time that we're uh conceptualizing or um, Mamas for Mamas is beginning to appear or present itself? Yes, or... starting to. So it was like, uh, I was 26. Okay. So let's say Jacob is like six months old and Jimmy's three. So I've got two little littles. Jacob and Jimmy. Jacob and Jimmy. Okay. And they're just, they're so cute. And I just started my internship at Youth Forensic Psychiatric Services. So I was treating violent offenders and violent sexual offenders who were the age uh, 12 to 18. So they were kids who had gone through horrible things and did horrible things and needed somebody to see them as a person who had done something bad rather than a bad person. And that's what I got to be. And this 
comes back to heart math. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. All okay, back okay, to that okay. reconnect and that understanding of the nervous system. You just have to understand. You give them a soft, mirrored nervous system that's calm, and you can get ten times further with somebody that is in that state. So I had the pleasure of sitting with Christine Patton for two hours mm. last night, and I probably wouldn't have been able to react to your youth forensic right. work that you were doing in this same way. So I, I would have probably been startled and taken back because I, I, I would have looked at it through a lens of, of terrible, yeah. terrible yeah. Uh, tragedy and, and wrongs. Yeah. And it is. And, and, but I, I can see it differently now. So you're, um, you're working, you're working with these, these yeah. children. It was a full year internship. Verly Martin was my supervisor and she was this powerhouse again, a lot like you, where she was just like, she was approachable, but she was like, just don't mess with Verly. <laughs> like, but she taught me so That's much. It's a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. And I was starting mamas right around that time. So right around that time when Jacob was six months old, I was realizing the village wasn't out there. It just didn't exist. I had to build it or I had to just accept the fact that I didn't have one. I, I wasn't a student, you know, I wasn't a practicum. I, I just didn't fit in any of those places entirely. So what was the, or can you recall the moment, the thing? So uh, for, for the audience, Mamas for Mamas is? a specialized um, poverty relief agency that is really and truly a community first and a charitable safety net um, at its core. So it's, you know, a, we envision a future where there's no mama or kiddo left behind. So backwards engineer that. We're, we're at home and is it, is the moment when we have something and we need to get rid of it and then we, we do this thing? to find someone in need or was it reverse? It was was it someone, okay, so what? Tell me. It you... was, um, I was heartbroken. I was really heartbroken. I didn't have a connection to other moms and I went and I talked to my Nana about it. And I remember saying to her like, they're just not nice to me, Nan. They don't like me. They don't want me there. They don't, they don't like that I do parenting this way. I was also like 10 years younger than most of these women. And I just felt like, the therapist didn't want to hang out with me because I had young kids and I was a young mom. And then, you know, the moms didn't want to hang out with me because all I talked about was psychology or whatever. Like it just, it was this, work. Yeah. But okay. there was this weird vibe where I just didn't feel like, like all I did was work and be a mom to my kids and not have a sense of like other connection. Okay. So I go okay. to my Nana and you know, she built a motherless baby's home in Lagos with a bunch of local mamas, uh, 20, 30, 40, God, how many years ago now in the seventies. Okay. And that was what she did to make her, you know, love a parent when she was overseas as an expat. And so when I'm talking to her about this, like, I know she's got some experience in community building, especially okay. community building where people don't want you there. Like, that was the biggest thing is I wasn't building a community where people uh, appreciated me or respected me or wanted me there. I was building a community despite the moms around me at the time and my wow. girlfriends, you know, who were like partying and still going to concerts and everything because they were 25. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so and my husband worked out of town like 28 days off, four days home. You know, I was just, you, you know, in this weird everything. space of it wasn't like I was falling through a gap. I was living in a chasm like I didn't have an existence mm -hmm. of belonging whatsoever. So I said that to my Nana and she basically said, like, you know, bullshit. <laughs> 
little 90-year-old voice. Like, if that's what you want to think, that's fine. You can just curl up in a ball and be sad. But when you're done your pity party, get up and fix it, basically. Like, go and do something about it. So I went home that day and I started a Facebook group and I called it Mamas for Mamas. And that was it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't plan for it to be a nonprofit. I certainly didn't plan for it to become my full-time job. I was gunning for a job at Youth Forensic Psychiatric Services. From the day I got into my practicum, I was rubbing shoulders and meeting people and, you know, getting FaceTime with the boss, Rob. (laughs) So this is, so that's fascinating to me. You put up a Facebook page and I've heard you say it numerous times at events that you were the first social uh cause it was born out of social and then it became a charity we were the first charity that became a national registered organization that was born on social media correct because we were just a facebook group but that goes to um uh just wing it just do just go figure it out i heard an expression uh this week you're uh, building the plane as you were flying. Oh my it. God. That's what my coaches tell me I'm doing all the time. Okay. And, and to this day, I would rather run a pilot project than build a committee to discuss a project that we might want Thank to do. You. So just let's do it. Let's spend as little as we can on the initial pilot project. Make sure it's viable, make sure it's sustainable, make sure it's making an impact and let's roll with it. Yeah. That's what real change is. That's what go back real... and fix or adjust yeah. or fine tune as you need yeah. to try not to crash. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But at the same time, hire a pilot when you can you know, figure out a way to bring in the people that do what you can't and be okay with mm-hmm, what you can't mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. But if I'd sat there and went, okay, Nikki, I want to build a, a charity and the first one that was born on social media and I and I built out a business plan and I put together, you know, uh, strategies and strategic planning and, and I did my mission statement and my vision statement, like none of it would have made sense mm-hmm. because it wasn't about that at the time. It was about let's find a way to break down this competitive vibe among mothers and just be nice to each other. Yeah. Like that was it. That was the entirety of Mamas for Mamas was I will give away all my really nice stuff if you'll be nice to me as a mom. Oh, that's so fascinating. Right? And kind of sad. Well, <laughs> that's okay now. Yes we no. can talk about it yeah, being yeah. sad, you know, because it was my way of speaking a love language. I knew a lot of moms in town needed things, yeah. you know, and dad had left me a fair amount of money and I wasn't hurting for for a nice stroller or a nice baby clothes, I was able to buy my little babes the nicest stuff. So I figured if I shared that, it was like an, an olive branch to other oh, moms. The psychology of that, that's so fascinating I to know, me. Right? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so we build uh, this Facebook page and we're putting things out yeah. either for free or for hardly nothing. Or no money like- ever, zero, zero, zero. So you could trade if you wanted to, but you never had to. So it's donate, share, support, connect. Kindness is the currency, period. Oh my gosh, Shannon. And you will actually get in trouble for using money (laughs) because we have money. We don't have kindness. The the poverty in the emotional sector for motherhood is far higher than economically. Like, and I got to tell you, with as many moms as I know are in poverty right now, that's a very profound statement. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I sought people out from that moment on after I gave away the first thing and I felt joy for the first time since my dad died. I thought, maybe we're onto something here. And well, I you sought did people get, out. You did get validation. I did. Because you, you would have uh, 
where you're trying to get momentum and you're pushing the snowball, it sounds to me like it, it literally just started rolling and was collecting yeah. so much momentum. Yeah. After like uh, three months, the first three months, okay. it, I was chasing people to help. Like I was, I went on to Kijiji. I went on to Facebook Marketplace where I met Tara, who's actually one of the very first people I ever met. And I, her son's the same age as mine almost. And I st still talk to Tara. Yeah. Um, but it was, I found a mom on Shop and Swap. And this is the one that I, I think about, I dream about this. It's like my why. And she was on Shop and Swap, about 19-year-old mom asking for food. And I saw about 300 comments and I thought, awesome, she's looked after, she's got to be set with 300 comments. You know, what could possibly, what could she need now? And uh, every one of the comments was hurtful and demeaning. <gasps> and like, if you can't afford kids, don't have them. And like, and then it got worse. No, it got worse. Shan. It was awful. And so some people were saying, well, go to the food bank. And she says, I've already been there. You know, I, you can only go so many times. And then I thought to myself, well, there's got to be a place you can go to figure out what resources are available yeah. and someone to walk you through that. And I realized there wasn't really anywhere you could go that people would say, okay, food security is your issue. Let's go through the food security resources and tap into each one of them and make sure you can get what you need. And when we've used all of that up, yeah, let's see what we can do internally. I, I had no idea where to send her. So I just messaged her and I was like, oh my goodness, hey, like I'll buy you groceries. What do you want? Like, what would be your favorite thing in the world right now? And she said, spaghetti. And I'm not sure if that's to this day why spaghetti is still my favorite meal because oh, it was this like, it was like freaking spaghetti, you know? I know. I so know I went and I bought her like yeah, everything did. to make like the best bolognese that you could imagine. Yeah. And I did the yeah. garlic bread and I did all these other things. But then I got like strawberries and raspberries, all the off season fruits and all the in season fruits and everything. And I just messaged her like, please take your post down. You don't ever need to pay for the help you need with your dignity. Like, yeah, yeah. I got you. And I showed up a couple hours later with my kids and all these groceries. And I was going to leave them on her patio. And she opened the door. And she just started crying. And I started crying. And then the baby on me started crying. And then Jimmy and the wagon started crying. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody was crying. And she was like, I didn't think you were going to come. Like, I really didn't think you were going to be here. And I just thought, like what an experience that must have been to put your trust into somebody entirely to feed your kids. Like, holy crap. I was honored that she believed mm -hmm. in me enough mm -hmm. to even just take the post down. Mm. And I was like, never again will a mom go hungry in a town that I live in. Just, mm. it's not going to happen. How many digital uh, centers do we have? 62 uh, okay. digital branches coast to coast from Halifax to Nanaimo. And we've got five physical locations. We just opened Calgary, just opened Red Deer. We've had Vancouver open for two years and they are thriving and doing exceptionally well. I'm so proud of them. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, Kelowna head office, we've got up to 35 staff now. So we're just, we're, we're really expanding um, the ability to support. And then we're in the South Okanagan and the North Okanagan with hybrid branches. Mm -hmm. So we move into like the Friendship Center or One Sky or an organization that has a little bit of space for us so that we're not spending extra money on the space. We give them diapers or wipes or formula or whatever we can as a trade. And then we're reducing everybody's mm -hmm. overhead and uh, increasing the output. So. so, and then Nanaimo is just about in its own physical location too. Congratulations, Shannon, and Thank kudos you. to you and your vision, following your heart, listening to your uh, your soul, 
lead you or tell you what you need to do. And obviously, I mean, I probably can't even uh, quantify and I, I would think you probably can't either um, the actual impact that you would have had on the on the lives of, of some of these women that you've um, been able to interact with or, or help support. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, 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 it's infinite really. Mm -hmm. I think that it's because the impact that we get to make on one other mom, the impact that that makes on the other moms around her, like mm -hmm. it just, the trickle down effect is, mm -hmm. you know, when, when, when the grantors ask me how many indirectly we're going to be supported by this, I almost just want to write like the, you know, um, indefinite symbol, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. infinity symbol. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I'm not, you know, going to do that. So. <laughs> but it's just that, you know, real understanding of like the group of women that, that we have the privilege of supporting, I gain more from that than they do. And I know they gain a lot from that. Mm -hmm. But what I have, have been able to grow into as a person, as a result of being exposed to every experience of motherhood imaginable, it's humbling. You know, I feel truly and deeply privileged in the work I do. So Shannon, I, I know for certain that we've, we've taken more time than, than I, uh, I normally travel through on a checking in, but I don't, I don't want to leave, um, this time. And I thank you so much for everything you've shared. I don't want to leave today until I do a little bit of dissecting yeah. of, um, through the lens of, of, operational and business so mm -hmm. we can't have 35 staff or one staff we can't have staff if we don't have money to pay staff we can we can hope we can yeah but we can't That's so so, <laughs> so I, I think you um i think you put lots on 33 black <laughs> often <laughs> and wish for the best <laughs> And I love that. Wing in a prayer some of, days. Right? Yeah, for sure. That's part of that um, uh, trait or that characteristic of that entrepreneur. And 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 you, you are in a not-for-profit, yet you embody entrepreneurship that mm. comes from business and startup. And I, I think I'd like to suggest that... Uh, that served you well? I think so. I, mean, I didn't plan to be an entrepreneur, which is why I think I'm a relatively successful one, is because mm -hmm. there was no ego involved mm -hmm. in whether my business, quote unquote, was a success. It was, I just wanted to try and help. And service. And be in, of service. Mm -hmm. And I truly, really wanted that job at Youth Forensics. <laughs> like, I didn't want to work for myself. I wanted to have someone else take care of everything yeah. after 5 p.m. I wanted to to really just be able to have that experience of work-life balance. But as my mom said, Shan, people like you don't work for other people. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. it's not who you are. Mm -hmm. Like my dad, you know, he could have worked with many sure. other lawyers and had a co-firm and all these other things, but he was just, in many ways, that lone wolf with a pack mentality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's just something to be said about being able to really uh, jump in with two feet. And so, you know, yeah, like we had a $40,000 annual budget in 2016. We yeah. have a $3.2 million budget this year for 2022. Yeah. 
and I had to learn what that meant for me. I had to be comfortable stepping away from having a bunch of direct reports because I had to be the one teaching people how to fundraise. I have to be the one who raises awareness and who raises funds, but also who raises the bar on how we treat each mm -hmm, other mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. people raising funds. So for me, it was about, I don't want to dip into the same pot of money that the other nonprofits in Kelowna I know are depending on, because first of all, they won't want to work with me. Second of all, they're going to feel threatened by me and they won't want to have letters of support provided or collaboration. Yeah, yeah. So I really and truly, for the most part, stepped away from all traditional and formal uh, fundraising initiatives for the first three to four years. And even still, uh, I really don't tap in if I know the organizations in town uh, are depending on it. You know, when we had a, a bit of a extra support from the government when it came to our domestic violence counseling program, that was because one of the agencies in town that normally does that was in flux. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't have applied for it had I known that they were good to go and everything was rolling. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, a, a cause marketing angle. So we do a lot through social media. Mm -hmm. um, we bring in 12% approximately of the budget from grants you know, mm. um, and those are community grants, things like that. And then we've started developing different revenue models. I had to look at it like you got to solve the problems like a mama, but you've got to run it like a business. Interesting. So that you never have to let one of your mamas go just so she yeah. becomes one of your clients. Yeah. And this became incredibly apparent during the COVID lockdown mm -hmm. in March mm -hmm. of 2020. We were almost entirely event-based in our fundraising. Mm -hmm. I lost $400,000 in a 48-hour period when mm -hmm. my corporate donors reached out to, you know, yeah, let me know everything. that their programs had to be on hold for a while. Yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, I've got two options. Yeah. I can fold yeah. and and that, and that nobody would blame me. Nope. It would be a completely reasonable thing to do. In fact, it would be the reasonable thing to do. Yeah. But I thought, well, everybody that works for me is going to end up needing support. Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? What do I always say? If you don't know where to go and you need help raising your babies, come to mama's. You can't say that and then fold when they need you the most. So we just got creative and we had yeah. really like winging a prayer, you know, everything on Black 33 to say like, this is going to work. And Jillian Harris helped out a ton doing an online event yeah. for us. Uh, I reached out and actually said like, I need your help. Mm. And I've never really done that. Mm. I've always said, if you want to help out, it would be great if you could give me a hand. Like I could really use some support. You know me, like I have yeah. a hard time asking for yeah, things yeah. because, you know. Yeah the whole vibe middle child thing yeah but I had to and I, I just I said like I won't lose mamas I tried to put my house up for sale like mm. and I already did that once in 2017 happily you know sold the big house bought the small house had the extra hundred grand to you know keep mamas going and to go from a grassroots to a real organization you need some seed funding yeah you do that was a reasonable thing to do in 2017 mm. not in 2022 mm -mm. And luckily, you know, some issues came up with the house as we were starting to get it ready. And it turns out the universe was protecting me because I really, you know, I got to look after my family too. Yeah, you do. But I was so determined and just like adamant that we were not going to have 35 new clients that were, that used to be staff members of Mamas for Mamas. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, we got, we went roof. back to being a paycheck yeah. to paycheck organization. We went back mm -hmm. to Cutting hustling. Corners, watching expenses. Yep. Yep. Do you have um, a vision for what your next big thing is? Or do yes. you have, what's your next big thing? Social enterprise. So we've done a very, very good job of um, being a soliciting charity. 
you know, soliciting organization where we are asking for a hand up and a handout sometimes in order to run our programs. I want to be an entirely self-sustaining organization where we raise every dollar we need and every donor dollar we get in just expands our program. Mm. So we're a 0% overhead agency. That's what's going to happen. 2028. Watch it. Oh, Shannon, I can't wait. And it has been such a pleasure to watch you. It's been an honor to know you. And I, uh, I enjoy every chance we get together. Thank you. Well, thank you. So You've been a coming. very big part of it, Nikki. So don't <laughs> discount that. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. <laughs> thank you.